At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Coming up, we ranked all the shortstops. But before that, we had a big baseball topic of conversation regarding free agency and the marketing of the sport after Cody Bellinger signs a prove-it deal essentially back with Vince's Chicago Cubs. After we got that out of the way, we talked all things shortstop. We mentioned C.J. Abrams. We mentioned some of the top guys. Are you worried about Seager's health? How great is Bobby Witt, Trey Turner, Francisco Lindor? There's a lot of good shortstops, and then it falls off really quickly. But is there some value at the back end of the draft? A guy like Jackson Holiday, who might get this, the call up later this year. Other guys like Trevor Story, who have been great in the past and maybe can still find and regain some of that value. We talked about it all, and then, of course, at the end, we gave you Vince's top 10 shortstops today in fantasy baseball. All that and a whole lot more coming up on the Just Fantasy Baseball podcast. Welcome back to Just Fantasy Baseball. My name is Rami Lavi. That is Vince D'Amato. And today we are talking about shortstops. Before we get into it, though, big news for your Cubbies. As you're wearing the Chicago shirt, the Cubs hat, repping hard. The Cubs had a signing at 2.30 in the morning Eastern time. I was actually working. I was at the radio. I was like, man, if only next week when I'm hosting on WFAN, I get I am so lucky to get a new story drop at 3.30 in the morning, so that or 3 o'clock in the morning, so that uh, I can have a news story to talk about on my show. But Cody Bellinger back with the Cubs, three years. First two years are $30 million each. Opt out after each of the first two years. And if he opts into the third year, then it's $20 million. Now, to me, all this says, this contract, is it's a major indictment on Scott Boris and what's happened with free agency in Major League Baseball across the last bunch of years. And it's a problem for Major League Baseball. It's slow. He's trying to get the highest dollar amount, which is his job as an agent. But at the same time, this is a guy who is arrogant, doesn't talk to the GMs apparently, likes to go straight to the owners. And we've seen that this before. We, we keep seeing it. His clients end up with smaller, almost prove-it deals like this for Cody Bellinger. It's essentially a one-year deal where it's like, all right, I'm not moving. I'll just stay in Chicago for now. Meaning, I think any team could have offered him this, and Bellinger's basically like, no, 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 I'm just going to stay in Chicago because why move to another city for a one-year prove-it deal when I could just prove it here again? And then afterwards, I'll go prove it somewhere else. So this is not even about the Cubs. This is not about Bellinger. This is strictly about the state of Major League Baseball free agency, and there's still four big-name Boris clients out there. And how it affects fantasy, I mean, we could talk about that, but for the sport as a whole, 
the biggest news stories this week from Major League Baseball were how crappy the jerseys are, that the pants show the outline of everyone's penis, and now that the best agent, quote-unquote, in the league is getting terrible deals for his clients, and his clients are not only they're, – they're panicking and signing these uh, – essentially is a panic one-year prove-it deal again with the place that he played for last year. Vince, that was my ramble, so now it's your turn. What's up, dude? Yeah, I'm not – um I'm not sure how to feel about the whole thing just yet, but I, I think I disagree with a lot of what you said. And I, I think part of it stems from just like, I, I want the best for the players more so than I want the best for the organizations. And so I think a guy like Scott Boris, while he's definitely seen as, as you know, you mentioned, I, I am kind of confused about the whole doesn't talk to GM things. Like I, I don't really understand the logic behind that. I don't know if he said it, but um, that kind of has always confused me, but at the same that time, that was a GM I, who said it about him, who was like, "Yeah, I don't know, I don't talk to him because he's like, oh, I talk to owners." Yeah, yeah, I remember seeing that story. I just don't know if I've seen an explanation or if that's true. I mean, maybe it was just one GM's experience, or I, I don't really know the the details of it. But um, like this, and and this is why I think this story keeps coming back to me as to why I think. I'm kind of leaning on the other side is because when Josh Hader, if you remember, there was a situation where Josh Hader didn't want to pitch in the ninth inning or I'm sorry, didn't want to pitch in any inning that wasn't the ninth inning. And I remember thinking like, like he was very strict. He was very rigid. I'm not throwing in any other inning. And so I remember thinking, wow, what kind of an asshole? Like, why would you want that guy in your team? You know, not only just a horrible team player, but like arrogant and kind of doesn't make sense. But when I heard him explain why it was because of, the arbitration process and because of the free agency process is because if he doesn't have saves to his name, right? If, if he doesn't have X amount of saves, he's not allowed to ask for the money that he is deservedly due. And so, you know, when you're allowed to kind of misuse players in that way as an organization and say, okay, well, I'm going to throw hater in the eighth and he's not going to get a save. And so now he's going to be worth less. Like, like those are things that teams kind of do plan out, whether they, want to admit it or not so this is kind of like i i also hesitate to say i'd be curious why is it bad for baseball i'm not 100 sold on that either like i know we want to see these big free agent guys signed but it's a long season like do they really need to be signed a month or two before the season starts like i saw bellinger was okay going into the season unsigned so it's just and it doesn't seem to matter to the players as much as I think it matters to the fans. And I think that's, you know, obviously we want to put a good product out there, but at the same time, I also want the players to get what they're deserved. And I would much rather see Cody Bellinger wait out for a contract that he thinks he's worth than just signing a, you know, a, a cheaper deal with a bad agent. So that's my little ramble. And I, I haven't quite sorted all of my thoughts out for it, but I, I think this whole off season has been, it's obviously been slow, but I don't necessarily think it's bad for baseball. That That's kind of confusing to me. So that's my little ramble. I'll get some more thoughts in order as we keep going. But yeah. Yeah. Well, with Bellinger, he did sign a bad contract. I, I would say what you want. A guy just came off a career year, which is what you're supposed to do going into your free agency. And you want what's best for the players. This contract is not what's best for the players. I know it's with the Cubs and that's nice. Why it's another it prove it deal. Though? Because it's another prove-it deal. He just proved it in a season, in a walk year, where it used to be, and the way it should be, is you you put up a monster year in your walk year, you earn a big contract, and now he has to do it again. And it's not only a prove-it deal, but there's a, there's more pressure on him because it's like, okay, now I need to make this one work. If it doesn't, I have another one next year. And it's just like, 
Well, the options me. are for him, I believe, right? They're player options. Yeah. So yeah, hundred percent. So again, he he's gonna opt into the he's gonna opt into the thirty million the following year if he has a bad year, right? So now oh, he's like, okay, I guess him? I'm guaranteed. That's not good for him because he should have gotten eight, like you know, five years, two hundred million, or five years, one hundred fifty million. That's what he should have gotten. But, he should have gotten and, five one fifty. That's what it was. That's what he was supposed to get, right? Boris came out and said, I'm getting him seven for 200. And that's why he's not settling for anything less. But if Boris had just signed five for 150 with him two months ago, he'd probably be on a different team in camp right now at five for 150. Yeah, I think five for 150. But, but been a good yeah, number. but Boris said, nope, he's he's a $230 million player. And we're going to get eight years or whatever it was. It's idiotic. So, and by the way, what you said is funny that you mentioned the saves because it just tells you another thing that baseball is just so stuck in the past it's such a dinosaur sport yeah they should save the stat they should change the stat the stat is stupid sometimes your best closer should come in to save a game in the sixth inning that's right. the moment that's going to save the game because you're not going to get to your closer you don't you won't be able to use josh Hader in the ninth if you didn't bring him in in the seventh so well, who should get the save that's certainly the, the an scorer issue. should should mm-hmm. be smart enough to be like oh the save goes to that guy who came in in the seventh inning I can tell you how many games the Yankees only won, only won 82 games. How many games that Michael King came in in the fourth inning and saved the game? I'll, the perfect example, yeah. 2017 wildcard game for the New York Yankees when Severino, I think it was, who couldn't get out of the first inning, right? And he gives up the three runs and Chad Green comes in and strikes out two guys and indeed he hits the three-run homer to tie it. If Chad Green doesn't do what he did and then he ends up throwing two more innings after that. So he throws two and two-thirds innings. He came in with multiple guys on, struck out two guys to get out of that first inning, got the Yankees settled to the game. And then once they, you know, he left with the lead, he should get the same, right? Like that guy saved the game for the Yankees. That guy, like the stat is a dinosaur stat. And so we're now we're trying to marry this new age of how we look at things with analytics, which tell you that you should bring in your closer earlier, but maintain like the traditions of the game. Like it's time to be forward thinking and baseball is not doing that. And part of that is the marketing of the game because it's 2024 and podcasts and social media and sports content media and all that stuff exists. And to think that 10 years ago, you wouldn't be able to host a TV talk show, radio talk show, or any kind of sports talk show nationally or locally without talking about baseball. And now, even in August, when there's nothing else going on but baseball, there is zero baseball conversation. So, when the free agency in major in the NBA is dominating the conversation in July, right? And baseball is the only sport on, but all we're talking about is NBA free agency. That's a bad thing for baseball. So the fact that baseball, it's a big secret and you have John Heyman and these other guys, I don't mean to single him out, but these other insiders who are like, Oh, there are sources that this guy's talking to this guy. And every single source that's come out this off season, it feels like has just been a nothing Everything has been a total nothing. The, the fact that that's happening, there's no reason to talk about the baseball offseason anymore. And yeah, so and if think- you're only going to be talked about for one month of the year, which is what it is now, the playoffs, which even then, no one's really that interested anymore. And this is coming from a guy who loves baseball and wants to see the sport grow. So it is bad for the sport that that the offseason is being slow played. So again, that's how the sport dies. That's how the ratings die. So it all comes back to the money and you need to pay these players and you need to keep the play, the sport going. So sure, maybe it doesn't affect you, a diehard baseball fan's consumption of the sport. And okay, Cody Bellinger signed a week late into, into spring training. Who cares? Yeah, you don't care. 
But the fact that there's no buzz around anything, and now he's just signing back with the same team on another prove-it deal and is creating less buzz for the casual average fan is driving them away from the game, which is ultimately going to be worse for us who are the diehard baseball fans. Yeah, and I I, I agree with a lot of what you said. I, I'd be curious to know, because I think, correct me if I'm wrong, the NBA free agency is a very limited window, right? And I know baseball's talked about doing something like that. So maybe like having that hard deadline of need deadlines, 100%. the new year or something you need like deadlines. that. Yeah, yep. yeah I, I like that idea. I, I get that. And because then too, you may have teams that are, willing to spend a little bit more because they don't they can't afford to slow yeah play. i don't so, yeah. yeah i don't know if i need to do this but i need to get this done now there's a deadline coming up deadlines get deals done i mean it hasn't yeah. worked with baseball in the past specifically with the lockout where they changed the deadline a second time but yeah if you have a hard deadline where it's like all right i don't know the players can only make a certain money amount of money up to this date, and then after this date, the the deals get smaller and the and the teams also get penalized for not signing guys after that deadline whatever it is that combination just create a little bit more sense of urgency and it feels like like i said the biggest baseball topics have been so negative like i tweeted out today as a joke but it's not funny about the jerseys i said that i love that baseball is so forward thinking that they are normalizing and uh destigmatizing knockoff jerseys that like you know people can't afford 80 dollar or 180 dollar jerseys sometimes so buying them for 20 dollars from china you know, now Major League Baseball is buying them for 20 bucks each from China. So that's actually really nice that their jerseys look worse than the fake jerseys that you could get for 20 bucks. So now people who have the fake jerseys will feel better about themselves. Like it's so bad. Like that's the biggest conversations of and no one will care in a week because, you know, last week when there were no games, that was the biggest story. And seeing different guys with their see through pants, it was funny. That was the biggest story. Today, the biggest story was Juan Soto hitting a home run, you know, Spencer Jones for the Yankees hitting a 470 foot bomb. And for every team, you know, the biggest story is going to be what's happening in your team spring training game today. Mm -hmm. But still, so so no one really cares about the other stories, but still there's no, I don't know. It's it's a marketing issue more than anything else. And it sucks that it's coming back on a player who earned a big contract and didn't get that big contract. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, there's a lot to break down. Maybe, you know, maybe this is an article that we're looking at later this week you know i work on it and maybe get your thoughts and maybe you have a little section as well and we can have our have our thoughts kind of next to each other because i think that would be pretty cool but yeah yeah yeah. i think part of what you said too now that games are starting i think now the storylines will hopefully start to change juan soto's was a bomb i saw you just tagged me in the uh, rafael devers home run as well yeah. like that's fun yeah. watching players come into camp and um you know a lot of them look really good some of them you know might take some time but this is you know the most exciting part of spring training is the first looks at these guys and seeing how they they must have prepared in the offseason so you, you know yeah i think that's what we're here for too right we're here to market the sport and try to grow the sport so i mean does it really fall on us to do that probably not shouldn't right but yeah i, I think a lot of what you said is accurate so here we are. I said to just to peel the curtain back a little bit inside baseball. I was like, yeah, maybe we'll do a little bit of a shorter episode today. We're both tired for various <laughs> reasons and we're 13 minutes in. We haven't even started because we're talking mostly me talking about this contract. But today is shortstop. And I do want to get into one piece because there are a lot of guys who are shortstop eligible. Now, we're not going to touch on all these guys because the way we've done this is some guy these guys we've already touched on. Some of these guys, this isn't their primary position, but guys like Mookie Betts. Gunnar Henderson, Matt McClain, guys that we talked about already, Hassan Kim, even a Tyro Estrada, these guys, Ellie De La Cruz, they are great to have if you are allowed to play them at shortstop in your league. 
even more so of a reason to go get them. And we talked about them with the other positions. So again, those guys are great, but we're not going to talk about them because there are a lot of guys who are shortstop eligible. Now of the guys who are really the real quote unquote shortstops to me, there's five, a list of five guys. And I have a six that you don't like as much as I do, but there's a list of, I think four and a half guys really. And I'll explain that in a minute. And then it falls off fast. So you got to get one of those top guys or just wait like those that that's it. Like get one of those top guys or get a steal or sleeper later on because there's not much of that in between. What are your thoughts on the shortstop position? Yeah, I, I agree with that top five. There's definitely a top five. Then there's a drop off. And then, I mean, this shortstop position much more so than a lot of the other ones. I think this one is very, you have a cluster and then a big gap and then a cluster and then a big gap. And that's seen pretty much throughout most of the draft, at least up until the first, you know, 400 picks or something like that, maybe even later. So, um, yeah, I, it's definitely one where the tiers are going to be helpful to at least understand or acknowledge or come up with your own tiers of some sort, because, um, you know, you, you want to get good value, but you don't want to overpay. I'm not going to reach for a guy just because I really need a shortstop and I want to get one of these guys. I'm okay waiting, but make sure you know and plan out when you're waiting and when you're planning to attack for a shortstop. My best value, speaking of the waiting when you're planning to attack, I would attack this guy at his ADP. I'm not saying you should reach further, but I think this guy could put up Bobby Witt type numbers at shortstop and probably get drafted 50 picks below him. And that's CJ Abrams, maybe 30 picks below him. But CJ Abrams traded, obviously, for Juan Soto and the Juan Soto deal going back to that year. This is his, I want to say this is his second really full season because of that first year he played a bit with, maybe he played 90 games, I want to say, maybe 40 with the Nationals, 40 with the with the Padres, something like that. And then last year, I think he played 150, 160, something like that. And then I think this year, the power numbers can go up. The steals have been incredible. And with the power numbers going up, the production is going to go up also. If he can elevate his batting average a little bit, just a little bit, I think CJ Abrams, you're looking at a guy who could be 30, 30 home runs, close to 50 stolen bases, and could be just an absolute league winner. And sure, is a 40 ADP pretty high, something in the 40s or 50s? It might be, but I think he's that good. I think he's worth it. I know you disagree, so let's get right into it. Yeah, I mean, we don't have to like go crazy about it. I'm just, there's... I see my 58, by the way, for ADP. That's why it's also kind of why I said it. Oh, sure. Yeah. I have, so my ADP for NFBC shows CJ Abrams going 39th or 40th. Like, there's just absolutely no way I'm touching him there because, so you mentioned he could go 30. I, I don't think there is a world ever in the next 10, 15 years where Abrams hits 30 home runs. I mean, I, again, my computer is kind of slow right now, but I do know his average EV was 87.4 miles an hour and hit 18 home runs with that. I just, he's not a big guy. He's not strong. He's not going to, I don't think he'll ever get to an 89 average and, you know, exit velocity. And because of that, like, I think it is much more likely, you know, with EVs we see that are this low, I think it's much more likely that he hits closer to 15 than he hits to 25 like there's just i i don't think there's more power i think this is like for the power of cj abrams i think this is like the cap like maybe one year he hits 20 but i i just i think we've seen that ceiling of him now the speed is interesting i, I do definitely think the speed's legit 
Um, you know, you're going to get 40 to 50 stolen bases, but I just, there's no way that I think he is the type of hitter that he, you know, showed last. I just, I, I'm not going to bet on the power. Um, but you know, that being said, he is 23. He will probably, you know, get a little bit better as he matures, but he's still just, he's a below average hitter across the board. I just, I think he's a cheap speed option. I'm not touching him unless he drops, you know, you said he's about 60 in your league. I think that's getting fair. I probably am still waiting until like 75 to 100, somewhere around there. I'm just not paying that. That's fair. Again, I, I think, you know, something that's talked about if you watch Nationals games, one of the things that's talked about and back in the Padres days also, this guy is going to have more power than you think. This guy is, this is what they keep saying. He looks like a small guy. He has pop, though. And he's one of those guys that, you know, I think this is the year where he puts it all together. And I could be wrong on him, but I think – this is the year for CJ Abrams. You know you're going to get those stolen bases. His batting average on balls in play was like uncharacteristically low. I think that can get higher a little bit. And if that moves up 20 points, that totally changes his batting average. Obviously, that totally changes his home runs. And if he's getting on base a little bit more, then you move from 47 stolen bases last year to 55 stolen bases. Then you're talking about close to the top of the league in the stolen base category. Again, I don't think he's a cheap stolen base. I think he's more than that. He had 18 home runs last year. His his Power feels like it was picking up as the season went on, and I think he's going to build on that. So who is your best? But again, that's fine. We can disagree on that. Who's your best value? So, yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to disagree all the time. That's just part of the, the business. I think I, I wrote down two here because I couldn't really decide. But um, number one, I do think Bo Bichette is is pretty good value. I mean, I have him about 39 in most drafts, at least um, according to NFBC. And that just feels criminally low. I mean, the guy has been as consistent as consistent comes. And I think part of the reason that he's dropped so low, right, is because we expected the speed, right? He stole tons of bases. And I, I don't, again, I'm trying to pull up the exact numbers, but my computer's running slow. But I, I know have, he, so he stole, was it 2021? He five. Yeah, in 2021, he stole 25. And then last year, he dropped all the way down to five. Yeah. And so I think that's part of the reason why he's regressed, right? So he stole 25, 21, right? Or 25 and 21, too many 20s. And then people were expecting him to put up another 20 stolen base season and he just didn't run. Hasn't done it since. And so yeah, 13 and I think, 22 and five and, and 23. And I think part of that might be team context, right? Maybe they don't want him to run, you know, when you have guys like Vladdy and, um, you know, I guess not Matt Chapman anymore, but when they have good hitters behind him, maybe they don't need him to run. So, but the thing that he does is he, he hits, he's one of the best pure hitters in the game. He's got a very safe floor. He plays all the time. He's not riddled with injuries. I just, again, I think it goes back to how do you draft? And you know that I like to draft for safety. I think Boba is one of the safest shortstops that you can find um, at his price point. I mean, 40 is feels criminal. So do you, best uh, value. Yeah. You know the Drake meme where he's like going that about that and then he points to the next thing, you know, he's like looking away from one. Yeah, and then yeah, yeah. So, uh just I'm just thinking like, you know, you like 47 stolen bases and 18 home runs for CJ Abrams. No way, but 20 home runs, only two more, but five stolen bases, 42 less for for Boba Shed. That I like at 49 at 39. <laughs> and again, this also goes back to the conversations that we had before on last episode, the counting stats. What are the counting stats look like for CJ Abrams versus what are the counting stats going to look like for Boba Bichette? I'll take the yeah, less speed. I mean, and 
the average 73 like, RBI, 69 runs for for Bobachet. Uh, for CJ Abrams, you're looking at let me just pull it up real quick. Uh, you're looking at 64 RBIs and 83 runs, so he had more runs and he had less RBIs, but, like, but I do 10, think 10 on both sides. So Bo only played 135. How many games did Abrams was Abrams at last year? He did play 151, so more okay. games. Yeah, a little bit more. But yeah, I think Bo is closer. I mean, you look at again, 2021, he had over 100 in both. 2022, he had over 90 in both. I think it's more likely that we see those. I just, again, I like to bet, I think on the pure hitting side, I mean, Bo is just a much better hitter. He's going to hit 300 or at least 290 plus. Like, yeah that part's safe so i i think it's just it's the safety and it's knowing what i'm gonna get i'm just i'm terrified abrams's power is just i i picture him hitting 10 home runs stealing 40 50 bases and hitting 250 with Maybe. less than 75 runs in rbi i'm just that's why so good good point though that you made yeah um, with batting balls on ball, batting average on balls in play do you sure. look at that as a result of how hard they're hitting the ball or do you look at it as like luck it's definitely a little bit of both, but it's it's how hard they hit the ball. It's how fast they run because like Esther Ruiz has a great BABIP. He's always going to run a high BABIP because he's so fast. Um, and and Bo Bichette runs a pretty high BABIP because, yeah, he hits the ball hard. He hits it well. Um, and I don't think Abrams runs a very good BABIP. So, no, yeah. It, no, yeah. So that's mm -hmm. off by 90 points, actually. So Abrams is at 270 and Bichette's at about 360. So that's my point where if those average out a little bit, you know, you're looking at one guy going up and one guy going again now it could be like you said it's it's based on peripherals if it's not all based on luck i get that but i just for me it feels like abrams is going to hire that a little bit and maybe Bichette, but i like the pick by the way i don't want you to think i'm just trying to make yeah. my case for abrams but mm -hmm. i like the Bichette pick i think uh, not enough people when i talked about the five he's included in my top five like when you talk about those five guys not enough people look at bo Bichette as in the same tier as a Seeger, Lindor, Trey Turner. And I think he is really close to those guys. Um, so, so I do like the pick your next pick. Yeah. So my next guy is um, Anthony Volpe, who just, he's getting picked around. Um, let's see. I have him at 135 according to NFPC. So um, just again, feels way too low. Volpe is coming off of a, a very bad batting average season. I think people look at that. Yeah. Right, that's horrible. But what did he did do is he went 2020, right? Which is phenomenal for a rookie. So yep. um I just I think his batting average is is just criminally low already. And um yeah, I expect that to rise and I expect him to continue hitting for power, hitting, you know, stealing, so speed, and he's gonna get good counting stats in that Yankees lineup. I think he's going to be a staple. So um Anthony Volpe at one thirty five just feels like too good of a value. I'm so in on Volpe and I'm so happy you said it and I didn't have to because, you know, I would get clowned. Oh, you're the Yankee fan. Of course you're in on Volpe. But here's the thing with Volpe. He was 209 last year. If he could raise the average to just 250, then all of a sudden you could see him adding at least five more home runs and 10 more stolen bases. And in this lineup, like you said, especially if he's batting at the, if he ultimately can win that, uh, that leadoff spot and bat at the top of the order with judge and Soto behind him, all of a sudden, this guy becomes a hundred run guy. He's going to score a hundred runs and 25 home runs, 30 stolen bases with a hundred runs. 
you'll live with the 250 batting average. That's actually not bad at all. And that means he raised his average by 40 points. And I think that's very realistic for a guy in his second year. Doesn't have all the pressure of everyone last year calling him freaking Derek Jeter. He's in a better lineup now. The lineup last year was abysmal. He played every day. Um, I love Anthony Volpe this year. I don't think he's Yankee bias. Look, I like Bo Bichette also. I like both of your picks. I think they're both good value. I just think, you know, you're talking about 100 picks later, you're going to get Volpe. I really like that as a value play. Uh, God. All right. Keep going. Um, do you want to do your worst value or? Uh, yeah, the worst value. I just got distracted. I'm watching the Ranger game now also. And Matt Rempe's in another fight. So Matt Rempe now has four fights in his first five games in the NHL. So congrats. Matt Rempe. That's a stat right un- there. Unbelievable. He has like double the amount of penalty minutes as time on ice. This guy will just fight everyone. It's unbelievable. He just, and, he, and so the first shift of every game, there's 17, they're, they're three minutes, under three minutes into the game, the two minutes and 20 seconds into the game. Oh man. This- Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is funny. All right. Uh, My worst value. I have Xander Bogarts as my worst value. Uh, Xander Bogarts is going to take a step back in my opinion um i think he already took a step back last year's first year in san diego and i think san diego is not going to be that good and it's going to be worse than they were last year and so xander bogarts who is a big name and people still think of him as in that tier with those top guys with like we talked about turner siegelunder i'd much rather have bo bichette than xander bogarts i'd much rather have cj abrams than xander bogarts and i think xander bogarts is looked at as still one of those top shortstop. He signed this massive 11-year contract with the Padres, and I know they were just handing out money like it was free, um, but to me, it's a little bit tough, and I, I would not take Xander Bogarts at the ATP that he's going at. Yeah, I think that's a phenomenal pick. I mean, Xander, I think not only was he a little bit lucky last year, and I think that kind of kept his numbers up a little bit, I just I don't think that he's going to keep it up. I think he's I think there's a little more age decline than we're ready to admit. So, And there's a problem there in, in San Diego. There's something fishy going on there. And I know the owner was sick, and then he ultimately passed away. But And I love, love Don Orsillo, who's the broadcaster, who's just the best. Um, he's literally the best in baseball. Follows me on Twitter, too. But um, I just think that there there's something weird going on there. The vibes seem off, and I just think, hey, maybe it's Juan Soto, and now they got the bad apple out of there. I don't think so though. It doesn't seem like that from what I see. The vibes seem to be immaculate over in Yankee camp. And all the only picture I've seen other than Don's uh, post, the only pictures I've seen from Padres camp are that one guy's outline of his nutsack. That's the only thing I've seen from (laughs) 
the Padres. Do you see that picture of the guys bending yeah, yeah, over? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. it's pretty great, right? The, that <laughs> one and the the Casey Schmidt one. Where yeah, the Casey Schmidt one, obviously, but the game. other one was really absurd. Um, all right, your worst value. <laughs> I mean, we talked about it already. Uh, but if yeah. you have anything else you want to say about him, go ahead. No, no, I, I, I won't beat a dead horse, but my worst value is CJ Abrams. Just, I'm not going to pay a top 50 pick again. Maybe if he's in the 75 to hundred range, but no way I'm getting close to top 50 for him. So yeah, just CJ Abrams, my worst value. And just to say on that, like I saw on, you know, fantasy pros that he's at 58 for his ADP. I think 58 is a really good spot for him personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I get that if you're looking at him versus Bo Bichette, you'd probably take Boba Shed. And I, I can't fight you on that. I can't disagree yeah. with you on that. Yeah. Um, so if they're going around the same pick, yeah, definitely go for Bichette. But I think, again, I think it's a, the reason I think it's a best value. And I was going to put CJ Abrams almost as my sleeper, but because he's being, you know, I don't think he's mm-hmm. a sleeper because people are high on him. Uh, but I do think he's going to pay off that value. You don't. And that's fine. Speaking of the sleepers, we have our sleepers for this year. You want to get us going with your sleepers. Sure. So my sleeper, I, I only sleeper. I only have one actually because um, you. Took, I didn't even bothered to like put him on any of my list because I figured he's just cooked and everyone knows it. But go ahead. No, no, Trevor Story is not cooked and nobody knows it. Um. So yeah, my my sleeper is Trevor Story at one seventy five. Just feels like good value. I think you know, it's been kind of a few rough few years for him ever since he left Coors and and Colorado. Um. Curious as to why you hate it, but uh, I I think he's finally got some time he he's taken a few years essentially off because of injury um and you know was kind of underperforming but i think i'm just i'm ready to buy in at that price because i think it's likely that he has kind of bottomed out maybe there's a little bit of an age decline maybe he's not what he once was but at 175 i think that's where it's like okay that feels pretty low because this was a guy who was you know consistently power speed for many many years I just don't know how you quit on that for, you know, we see so many guys with one, you know, hot flash, like Bo Bichette maybe is an example, right? Where he had a hot flash of speed and everybody jumped all on board and then fell off very quickly. I just, I, I don't see how you give up totally on a guy like Trevor Story who did it for so many years. And now that he finally has another chance to hopefully play injury free injuries are obviously going to be a part of it, but I just, I don't think the skills fall off when you did it for as long as he did. So I, I don't think want to use mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. I, I don't no, want to use you sorry. against you. Um, I said, go ahead and then start talking again, but I don't want to use you against you. But you know, when we talked about Arenado, you're like, well, he had the boost in Colorado for all those years. And now he's out of Colorado and he doesn't look as good. And he's getting older. And Arenado hasn't dealt with the injuries that stories dealt with stories dealt with injuries story. Also, when you talk about guys who signed their big contract and all of a sudden seem like disinterested, I mean, the Anthony Rendon story is crazy. You want to talk about that for a second? We definitely probably should. Did we talk about it on last episode? I don't even, I don't think we hit on it. I may it. have touched on it, but I don't know. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. I may have touched on it for a second, but just if, if you don't know, Anthony Rendon said basically baseball is not his top priority, which is okay. I guess I'm sure a lot of guys, it's not their top priority. It's a job for them. But when you sign a huge contract and then you don't play for most of that contract and you heavily disappoint after being one of the top players in the league for a bunch of years in a row before signing that contract, maybe that's something you keep to yourself and you don't say out loud. So I think that pretty much covers it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Um, That's good. And then with, yeah. (laughs) So I feel similar. Maybe story is one of those guys who's just not saying it. Like he signed this big deal. He's not on a very good team. He's not in course field anymore. He hasn't been good. He hasn't been healthy. 
And it just feels like almost like the Tulowitzki drop off, which was just like when he went to Toronto, he just wasn't the same guy. And he wasn't that old. Like story's 31. He's not that old. And you'd think he's like 35, the way his body has been the last few years and the way he's just hasn't been the drop off just seems shocking. And I get what you're saying. If he can be 80% of what Trevor story was in Colorado, then at that ADP, ridiculously insane value. So again, you're talking about that's what a sleeper is, low risk. So I get why you think he's a sleeper. I just don't see it with him. So maybe I don't hate the pick so much, but I'm just, I'm not as high on him. And that's, that's part of it. That's what drafting a sleeper is, is a guy that maybe you think uh, has a chance to give you more than the draft value you're drafting for him. So maybe I do like the pick better, better than <laughs> you talk yourself I'm into on. it a little bit. Yeah, and I just look myself into it completely. So thank you for that. Uh, my yeah. sleeper, number one is Jeremy Pena. Um, he, you saw his, his power. We talked about this, his power completely fell off, right? Dropped out of nowhere. And then he's down, down to like 220 right now. I saw on one of the, on, on some of the lists. And I think a guy who came up and was so good so early on, obviously the year they won the world series to me, that doesn't just go away. Maybe he had a little bit of that sophomore slump that we've talked about in a bunch of episodes already. And so maybe he could get back to what he was in that rookie year in that playoff run. I think he can. I think if you could get the power up a little bit, because it's weird that it took such a step back. I don't know what it was. Maybe you can see the peripherals. Or maybe you're looking at it and you see that there's something there that lends the power numbers coming down so much. But I think at 220, you know, he's going to be the shortstop every day in a great lineup. I kind of like it there. Yeah. So the the reason where his power fell off is he already came in in um, in 2022. He finished with a 46 percent ground ball rate, which it's already pretty high, but then last year went up to 54.3%. That's just, you're, you're hitting the ball into the ground way too much. Um, and that's why he only had 10 home runs in 150 games. So already being high at 46%, you know, in 2022, you just, you, there's not much room there. So it, it does kind of scare me. I think it's a good value though. That being said, um, I just, I don't think we should expect to see where he was before i just i don't think he's going to get back to 22 again maybe another guy that we kind of saw his power peak unless he can fix the launch angle just yeah easier uh, said he's so done. young to me it's like you're so young you're in a great lineup there's no pressure on you to really be that guy and maybe that helps him develop into that guy uh so like you said it's it's similar to trevor story in the sense that i'm not saying he's going to have a great season but for the draft pick that you're getting him at, maybe you can get a lot more than what you're taking there. Uh, yeah. So I think it's similar there. The other one I have is a different story. A guy who I think could end up being, you know, a May, early May, mid May call up. And that's probably someone you're going to hit on your prospect list, but that's Jackson holiday. I mean, I saw this kid when the Orioles drafted him, I was working down there in Baltimore. He's ridiculous. He's five tool player. He's the type of guy that if maybe you draft him and stash him, maybe you're just early on him and you start hearing the rumblings that they might call him up. And then all of a sudden, second half of the season, he's carrying your team down the stretch of the year with a monster, you know, kind of like Adley did. The Orioles like this. They did it with Adley a couple years ago. They did it with Gunner the next year where they call these guys up. And all of a sudden, these guys make immediate impacts. I think another one who could do that is Jackson Holiday. He might be more of a prospect to watch, um, but... You know, in a dynasty league, for sure, he's a good sleeper. Obviously, in a dynasty league, he wouldn't be a sleeper. He's probably already drafted if you have a dynasty league. Um, but like I said, if it's if it's a league that's a little bit deeper and you can afford to stash him for the first couple months of the season, I think he could be real value. Yeah, 
Jackson Holiday is in in the dynasty world. He's already a top twenty five asset. Like you could trade Jackson yeah. Holiday for Juan Soto and and a small piece. That's how good. I mean, that's that's the kind of talent we're talking about. Do you think he ends here. up getting called up this year? I know he's flown through the minors, you know, whatever, you know, a bunch of games at double A and then triple A, and he's planned they're planning on playing him at second base a bunch mm-hmm. this year to get him ready for the majors. I mean, that's what it is, right? They have Gunner at short or at third base, whatever, however they're going to split that up. Um, he could be a guy who's seeing Camden Yards this year. Oh, yeah. I mean, if if he doesn't. It's it's got to be because of injury or something. I yeah. I'm in the camp of I mean, especially you want these guys to perform for as long as they you know you want him to feel comfortable. If I'm the Orioles, why not have him up day one? Like you're going to bring him up at some point. Why not try to have him up and ready? Well, he's I mean, still he's, what he's he's 19 or 20. Like he's still so young. He looks like a child, right? Does that matter? Like he could play. Like yeah, I guess hits. with Juan Soto, it didn't dude matter. Hits. Um, so by the way, I think minor league baseball, this is, uh, this is going to sound like such a bad take. It's going to minor league baseball is a sham. Like, come on, (laughs) like, come on. Like you have Spencer Jones hitting a 470 foot bomb and he's huge and he's 22 years old and he's athletic. And it's like, what else does he need to do on the minor league level that he can't just figure out at the, if he's this good, like just. I'm not saying for everyone, but I think for some of these prospects, like it gets ridiculous or it like turns it. I'm hating on baseball so much on this show. I hate it. Like, yeah, I'm not happy about this. This is wild. This is not, this was unexpected. I love baseball. I promise you. Like I love baseball. I think like I love baseball and that's why I, that's why I have these strong opinions about it. Um, but with a guy like Spencer Jones, it's just like, what else is he doing where I get it that there are some prospects they need to develop, but like, with a guy like him, it just feels like contract manipulation and arbitration manipulation. And it felt the same way with Dominguez, right? Last year, he kills it in spring training. Like, well, we're not calling him up. And then all of a sudden, they call him up. And immediately, he was incredible and impactful for the Yankees. So it was like, you're going to tell me that if Dominguez wasn't up in June, the Yankees wouldn't have had a much better season? You can't convince me that that's not true. Were they, <laughs> you know? were they running out Aaron Hicks at, at in center field? Yeah, center I field mean, they, they cut him eventually, but that's my point. They, yeah. What do you mean? They had, um, oh, I can't even remember some of the names of the guys. I went to the Subway Series, and who they have? I mean, I could picture them. Billy McKinney was playing left field for them. You know, like, right. are you really? Billy McKinney was the reason why you couldn't bring up uh, Jason Dominguez, who the second they called him up was incredible. It just makes no sense to me. But speaking of prospects and call-ups, Vinny's Prospect Report brought to you by Nobody. Tell us who your prospects are to sh- look at for shortstop for this year in 2024. Yeah, I think the um, the first one, again, we just have to mention him again, Jackson Holiday. If you don't know who Jackson Holiday is, you've you got to look into him. This guy just puts up phenomenal numbers. He is one of the best, if not the best, pure hitter that we've ever seen in the minor league so far. I mean, like... I know this that name. home run derby that he had with his dad, where it was just like he's just hitting these moonshots. His dad is is Matt Holiday, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, for those who don't know, and there was a video that was going around a couple months ago on social media of them. They did like a they were at some small ballpark and they did a home run hitting contest, some sort of home run derby, and it was just he's out hitting his father's Jack Silken hit, obviously, and this guy's just hitting bomb after bomb. He out hit his dad. It was so cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Jackson Holiday, only 19 years old, but the, he's if he came up, he would be already in the top 10% of just best pure hitters in baseball. And it's only going to get better. I mean, this is like prodigious, prodigious level type hitting. The only things that do kind of concern me 
Um, maybe not concerned, but if if you're talking about fantasy upside, I just I don't see a lot of power yet. And obviously he's only 19, so um, you know, we could cut him some slack. And then the speed, he he's not a burner. He's not, you know, he's still 17 bases in single A, but three in double A over um 36 games. Like he's probably not going to ever be you know, a 20 stolen base guy, or maybe at some point on his peaks, he, he, if he decides to run, but um, he just feels like a very safe, you know, maybe 20 homer bat 10 steel guy, but he's going to hit 300. He's going to have many seasons where he hits 300. And I think you could put that in pen right now. So um, Jackson holiday, number one on that prospect report. Who else um, got? Number two is Jordan Lawler. So I was in the camp all off season that I think, Jordan Lawler starts the year with the Arizona Diamondbacks as their starting shortstop. I think he's that good. He's a top 10 prospect in circles as well. Then they signed Eugenio Suarez. And now I think the waters are a little bit muddied. Um, the Diamondbacks really like her, although Perdomo. So um, I doubt Lawler start. It sounds like he's not going to start the year with the team, but he is good enough to be on the team if they wanted him to. So um Definitely look out for Jordan Lawler. I don't have his, let's see, where's his ADP. He's going at 350. So, um, again, probably a guy in most leagues, you just wait for the call up. But I would try to be early if you can, right? Like after a month or two, maybe grab him if you have an extra bench spot and say, okay, I'm going to put my flag on this guy because I think he is one. Again, you're going to have to um, try to grab early because if news comes out and he's still on the wa- waiver wire, he's not going to be for very long. So, um, where was Jackson holiday to us curious? So yeah, Jackson's at one, one ninety eight. Um, actually, I think that's a pretty good price for him. Um, he's definitely going to be drafted. Like you said, it's just how long are you willing to wait, um, for the guy to sit on your bench? I think it's a little bit tough at that price to take him, but I, I get it because again, we're talking about a guy who can change. And lead. again, we talked about the contract manipulation. The, the date is a lot easier, a lot earlier now for the, yep. you know, years of service. So, um, that's one well, but- thing that does help. If he wins rookie of the year, right, they get a draft, an extra draft pick or something, don't they? So, yeah, would that goes be both ways. So, yeah, for- so it's an incentive for the team to bring him up. And it, it, yeah, it's both ways where it's like, hey, we're helping you both ways. Right. Yeah. So, um, and then my last one, a um, little bit of a deeper one, I guess not deeper if, um, you know, if you're into Dynasty, but Brooks Lee uh, for the Minnesota Twins. He's a shortstop. Um, and he is currently being drafted at 672 um so totally off most boards um again he's one that you're just looking out to see when the call is going to be because it is most likely going to be this year he is another bat first kind of guy he's not going to light up the stat sheets with power or speed but he again is a guy who could hit 280 and have pretty good counting stats in that minnesota lineup um just one to watch out for i think he's going to be an exciting player for many many years um, and again, just a safe floor guy, you know, I love my floor guys. So, um, I think Brooks Lee is one to watch out for in Minnesota. And what's interesting about these prospects and maybe this position more important than any other is that we talked about, there's really those top five, uh, shortstops. So when you're talking about, and I, I don't want to spoil your tier list, which we'll get to in a minute, but you're talking about wit, you're talking about Turner, Seeger, Lindor, Bichette. It's really those top five guys. And then it's kind of a crapshoot after that. So, maybe waiting a hundred picks and getting a guy later or spending less money. If you're obviously in an auction league and getting one of these guys later is actually the move for you. Uh, if you don't wind up with one of those top five guys and even in those top five, I'm a little bit nervous about Corey Seager. He has an abnormal ab 
abdominal issue. There we go. I said it. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty good. Come on. You like that. I was hard, but I did it. Um, anyway, yeah, he. I said it before the show perfectly, I think. But that's like a weird thing where it's not like an injury. You wonder what's going on with him health-wise. We hope everything's okay. But you're kind of wondering like, okay, what's going on with him? There's no real timetable. I heard today like he started walking or something. Like he started like – I was like, walking? That's not – like th- th- that shouldn't be an update. Like that, that's not good at all, you know? So, um, you know, you want this guy to play baseball in a month from now and he started walking today. So if this Seager thing lingers, like I'd stay away from him if you're drafting in 10 days from now and you're like, or 20 days from now and you're starting to think, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I would stay away from Corey Seager. Um, so then you're talking about four guys in that top five before it falls off. Um, so, you know, these other sleepers and prospects could be really huge and win you a league so with that said let's get to your tiers because i do want to say one thing really quick before we move on because you mentioned Corey seager if if i'm in a very small league a 10 team or a 12 team Corey seager is actually i think a target for me because if i can stomach the first month or so that he is on the show there i totally totally didn't mean to but if i can if i can wait for him i think he is one of those guys that in such a small league if you're in a 10 or 12 team and you can get a guy later with multi-position eligibility matt mcclain or even i really like tyro estrada at his price some guys like that i love estrada i wanted to put him on this list but i think we talked about him at second yeah, base already did. so i was yep. like i'm not yep i'm not gonna put him on this list but i love him as a value play for shortstop continue yeah so again i mean if i can keep him on my bench I think he is well worth the risk in a smaller league. Now, if you're in a bigger league, 15, 20 teams, I'm probably not taking the risk um, of Corey Seager and his price. And that actually probably would have been a good, uh, a good worst value, you know, just to make sure people are aware of the injuries, Corey Seager. But um, yeah, I, I think he's that he is phenomenal. So but that's the thing. I wouldn't, I don't want to call him a worse value because I, right. I think if he plays, he'll be good. Like that's, that's for sure. I, I'm just really scared of him playing, and that, that's the only thing. So let's get into your tiers, uh, if that's all you have on that. Yeah. Um, and kick us sure. off with tier one. So I named tier one the Elite Elite, which is just, I don't know. And so, again, Bobby Witt Jr. We didn't really talk about Bobby Witt, but you got to love Bobby Witt Jr. I also have Trey We need Turner. to talk about Bobby Witt Jr. <laughs> like, it's like, are we going to spend 15 minutes on Ronald Acuna? Probably not, because... Like draft him. If you have the first yeah. overall pick, take him. You know, if you have the yeah. third overall pick, take Bobby Witt. You know, so yeah, Bobby Witt and Trey Turner, um, Corey Seager. Francisco I know you Lindor. want to talk about Trey. I know you love Trey. You think like he's as good, if not better, than Bobby Witt. Well, uh, yeah, I'd say they're pretty. If Trey returns better value than Bobby Witt, nobody's going to be surprised. So, and and by the way, he had a down year last year and still put up really good numbers. I like. Yeah, and it was his first year in his contract yeah. year. I think he started yeah. off slow, but he finished the year scorching hot. Exactly. Just Playoffs. Yeah, you hope it's not an age thing. It, and we also saw him absolutely demolish the WBC. I don't know if you remember that, right? Say, but, and maybe that w- wore him down a little bit right. coming into the season. Like, yeah, yeah, there's so much that plays into that. And I think, yeah, that's a great point about Trey. I, I love Trey. So, and yeah, he might um, be best value, by the way. For his ADP. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a good call out. So his ADP right now is, um, I have him at 11. Um, but this was a guy who last year was going top three in most drafts. Like right? when we talked about with Jose Ramirez, like maybe being ADP like six or seven, and you he's going to give you top three. The same type of thing with Trey Turner. He gives you a top five value, 
at ADP 11. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Bobby Witt, Trey Turner, Corey Seager, again, injury. This is kind of assuming no injury, but he's probably at the bottom of this tier now. I also have Francisco Lindor and Bo Bichette. You I love Lindor. I, I mean, I wish Lindor. I don't know. Are you ever going to see him get back to the batting average numbers that he put up in Cleveland? That because if he does, know. everything yeah. else is there. Everything mm-hmm. else for him to be the superstar shortstop that he was in Cleveland because he still is that superstar. It's just the batting average numbers that really fell off with the Mets. And if he could get back there, it's like, mm, he's, again, another guy who you talk about is one of the best guys in fantasy baseball and for the Mets as a whole. Yeah, I'm not quite sure about the the average, if the average will come back. I th- wouldn't be surprised if it stuck around. But at the same time, he also started off the year very slow. And for him to finish 30-30 is just phenomenal. So definitely buying in on Lindor. Um, I mean, he's going to 25, so people are also buying in on him. Understandable. Dude's mm-hmm. a beast. Um, and I think that's a good ADP for him. I'm not saying he's going to be outplay, outplay that by a ton. Yeah, but I, I, right. I do think he's a really he is in that top elite tier. And he's a safe guy, right? I mean... Even just we yeah. saw he, he started off slow and still was able to pith- Pull fix it. Yep. So, um, and then my tier two, I have labeled good question marks. So these are guys that are good, but still probably have some questionable things, right? We're not 100% sold on everything for them yet. Um, that's where I have CJ Abrams, O'Neill Cruz, and Anthony Volpe. Um, and then tier three, I have. What's your concern dudes. with Cruz? Just how he's going to come back. I, I'm. It, Actually, if I'm being honest, I am so much less concerned than I think most of the um, market is and most of the people that I listen to are. A lot of people, not that they're concerned, they just want to see it again. Um, He showed significant gains last year as as a hitter. He's got a much better approach. He just didn't have time to really um, continue to show that. So I think people just want to see that again. Yeah, so people just want to see that again. But, I mean, this dude has top 40, top 30 upside year in and year out with he rakes speed. and he's fast you know yeah. he hits he hits the ball so hard it is so much fun to watch like it is like stanton-esque of how hard he hits the ball it's just six yep. seven dude just so much yeah fun. So, and he just flicks his wrists at it similar to stan I, that's a good comp because it's similar where it's just like he's just throwing his hands at, at the ball and it explodes off his bat you know a guy who was similar to that was clint frazier but never really panned and out. it's it's kind of a funny comp too because O'Neill Cruz is like rail thin and Stanton is, you know, looking like the rock sometimes. He's no, he's not. Not beef. anymore. Not anymore. But I guess when you think of like Stanton, dude, <laughs> Brian Stanton, I picture or maybe like I picture like Tyler O'Neill or something like that. But um, anyways, and then my last year I labeled just old dudes. And this one's just two guys, Dansby and Xander. We didn't really touch on Dansby, but um, Dansby Swanson's just kind of a consistent guy. Again, I you know, he's not going to win you your league he's not going to lose your league he's going to go out there and give you pretty average production across the board he's Um, exactly that guy that i talked about maybe last episode or two episodes where it's like he's decent at everything and sometimes that could kill you you know mm -hmm. and like i actually i've been thinking about that because you you mentioned that um a few times now too you you said last year right you were kind of hanging out between like three and seven in your standings right you never launched up and i i meant to ask was that a 12 team league by chance it was a 12 team league yes and so that's something i want to stress too if people are listening right know your league size because the smaller leagues 10 and 12s that's when it makes sense to go take gambles because there are going to be so many guys on waivers that just pop up those are the leagues where i'm not playing for a floor i am playing for a ceiling because i know that i can get waiver wire guys who are just as good as most other teams you know 
typical player. So those are the ones I'm shooting for the moon for. I play in a lot of bigger leagues, so that's why I tend to shoot for floor. Dansby is definitely a floor play. Um, so know your league size and know that how that's going to affect your draft strategy a little bit. Speaking of PSA, if anyone's looking for a 12-team uh, American AL only league, I don't know. I have an uncle who's interested. I'm not even kidding. There you go. I saw him. He's like, hey, you know of any 12-team? I was like, I host a fantasy baseball podcast. I figured, you know, if someone knows of it, they'll reach out to one of us. Hit us up. Uh, 12-team AL only league. Comment below. Um, all right. And now your top 10 list, 10 to 1. Again, I do want to stress that this is ignoring a lot of guys that we've talked about, like Ellie or Mookie, um, stuff like that. So number one, I have Bobby Witt Jr. Number two, I have Trey Turner. Number three, I have Corey Seager. Number four is Francisco Lindor. Number five is Bo Bichette. Number six, CJ Abrams. Number seven, O'Neal Cruz. Number eight, Anthony Volpe. Number nine, Dansby Swanson. And number 10, Xander Bogarts. There was one more thing that I wanted to say. But I'm forgetting it now. So, yeah, again, the position, strong at the top, falls off. Uh, I, I I can't remember what I want to say. So if you don't have anything else, I think that does it for today's episode. Yeah, I think I'm good. Just make sure you uh, ask some questions if you got any. You know, I'd love to see some of your teams. People are already asking questions. So love to see some of your teams and you know, kind of help you guys out with your individual stuff as well as the, the bigger picture. So, yeah, thanks for Exactly. Like and subscribe, everybody, and we'll talk to you guys all again on Thursday. See ya.